You have just entered the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast with Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck, Ian Wiley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola, and Terrence Reedon, the Rock Sponge. Now spread those ear holes and let them turn your brain to mush. This is the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast! Hey everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck from Thrash and Die, with another exciting, exciting episode of Rocket Metal Combat Podcast with my buddies, Ian and Terrence. Hello, guys! Hello! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Rock and Metal Podcast. My name is Gary Udman, and we're going to have an awesome show today with Terrence. Thank you very much. Ian. Hello. And Ralph. Hi. I think we're about ready to go now. No, no, not quite yet. Actually, we are ready. Roll. All right. Thank you there, uh, Gary Oldman. Uh, (laughs) Gary Yudman. Yudman, okay. Um, All right, so this week we're going to do something a little different this time. We're not going to be talking literally about music. We're going to talk about a cult classic movie uh, that came out in 1979. Am I correct, guys? Yes, you are. Correct. Okay. It came out in 1979. The movie's called Over the Edge. Now, uh, before I get into it, I want you guys to discuss what the movie means to you. And then cause then I'll ramble because I got a lot to say. Go ahead, yeah, Terrence. First. Oh, me first. No, you first. Okay. Um, let's see. The first, <clears throat> first time I saw this movie was uh, 1984. And I totally identified with Ralph Macchio getting beat up, you know, being a new kid in a new town, you know, and uh, the guy from Happy Days coming to, you know, you know, teach him how to get revenge. Wait, oh wait, no, that's Karate Kid. No, oh, okay. Over the Edge. Uh, great movie. I first discovered early 80s on HBO. Uh, just bought a bunch of wild, rambunctious fucking hooligans who listen to good music. There's God, there's... And, and that's why we're discussing on, on this rock and metal podcast, because this is a rock and roll fucking movie about some rock and roll kids on fucking drugs listening to rock and roll and doing some rock and roll fucking vandalism. And uh, and it, this just enthralled me as a young child. You know, it gives you that same tickle you get, you know, when you break a window. You know, you're just like, yeah! You know, that's what this movie was. And, uh... And I enjoyed it. I've seen it probably, I'd say, over 30 times. Probably more than that, but I am I suck at math. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I discovered it in the early 80s on HBO. And, uh, Terrence, when did you discover this fine film? Oh, let's see. I might have seen it when I was a small child, but my first real proper introduction to the movie for keeps was April 1988 on HBO, the same day I was baptized, funnily enough, in the same day I got ACDC's blow up your video, talk about heaven and hell, literally. <laughs> um, I watched the movie on HBO and I was just blown away. I just related to the movie real quick and I thought Matt Dillon's character of Richie White was the biggest punk 
you know, I would have hung out with him back in the day, you know, a wise ass mouthing off to people. I kind of saw myself through him, although I don't want to give anything away. To me, I saw myself as, you know, this outlaw, hell raising kid. And then there was a lot of cool rock band references in that movie. Um, and, you know, one of the characters at the beginning of the movie was wearing a Rush shirt from the Farewell to Kings tour. Whoever owned that shirt, I'm, or has, if that shirt is still made, I'd like to find one of those puppies because <clears throat> to me that was just a cool looking shirt. But the movie, back to, I digress, back to the movie. The movie is just <clears throat> incredible. It's actually my top five movies of all time. I have it on DVD. And it's a movie that I can watch anytime and not get sick of it. My other favorite movies of all time were made. No, wait, wait, wait. Let me stop you, Terrence. Let me stop you. I want this show to end with us talking about our top five movies, okay? Okay. So that way people, you guys want to stick around because you're going to be, you might discover a movie of what we like. For now, let's talk about Over the Edge because I said this to Ian earlier. I said we should discuss at the end of Over the Edge, you know, uh, other movies we love, our top five, because, you know, it's just so much we can talk about a movie. It's not going to be a long podcast. So just to spread it out a little bit, let's go into our favorite movies when the when the podcast ends. Okay. Anyways, my my review, introduction to Over the Edge, excellent. I never get sick of it. And uh, Ralph, off to you. All right, Over the Edge. How I discovered this movie, uh, because after all, I am old enough to be both your dads, which uh, actually I am your dad. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, enough of that. Uh, That's another podcast. podcast. Don't be mad at me because I went out to get that pack of smokes and never came back. Um, the thing is that the very first time I heard about this movie was actually in a record store. I saw the soundtrack, which I have right in front of me. You guys can see it because we're on webcam. But uh, I, I saw this in, in, a, in a record store. And if uh, you look at the actual album cover, if anybody mm -hmm. else Google it, there's a picture of Matt Dillon with some chick that uh, that chick's not in the movie. And then there's these other two here. These guys ain't in the movie. <clears throat> this kid's in the movie. It's like one, two, three, four, five. Five kids on the album cover are not in the movie and three are. Weird, huh? And uh, this, I saw the track listing and I said, boy, I have to buy this fucking album. And Here's the track listing on the soundtrack. Uh, starting off with Surrender, Cheap Trick, My Best Friend's Girl, The Cars, You Really Got Me, Van Halen, Speak Now, Forever Hold Your Peace, Cheap Trick, uh, Come On, Part One, Jimi Hendrix, Just What, uh, and then Side Two, Just What I Needed by The Cars, Hello There, Cheap Trick, Teenage Lobotomy, The Ramones, Down, Cheap Trick, All That You Dream, Little Feet, and Ood Child, Valerie Carter. Now here's something odd, I didn't tell you guys this. We were supposed to do this podcast last week on Sunday, and I work a night shift, so I get off at 7 in the morning, and I went to a grocery store at 7 a.m. to buy some milk, and when I walked in, I shit you not, they were playing Ooh Child on the, on the, on the, on the, radio, on the speakers, you know, the, you know, it's a big grocery store type thing, and uh, how odd, I was like, wow, man. I haven't heard this song forever, and I walk into the store, and they're playing it, and today we're going to do Over the Edge, which ended up not happening. Uh, Over the Edge, I bought this album, 
And me and my friend were always curious about this movie because we never saw it. It wasn't shown in theaters, and if it was, it was a limited run that it, you know we didn't see it. So I think it had to be like maybe two to three years later. My buddy called me telling me, hey, they're going to show Over the Edge on HBO at like two in the morning. And I had school the next day, but I set my my VHS. I was one of the first guys that had a video uh, VHS back back in the day. And I set it up, and yeah, I recorded it, and then I couldn't wait to get home from school and watch it. And when I did, I was just blown away how great this movie was. Now, keep in mind, I was a young kid back then, not the nicest kid. I mean, as far as I always was getting into trouble, I was kind of like a delinquent. I even spent a little time in juvie, but that's a whole different story. And um, so... Uh, I loved I loved this movie because it was a bunch of rebellion kids saying fuck you to his par- their parents, fuck you to authority, and getting fucked up drunk and high and acid and liquor and weed. And I'm just looking at this shit at, and I'm like, that's me, man. That's you know that's pretty much how I was back then. And uh, I loved it. I identified so much with it. And my parents were a pain in the ass. And uh, I, it was like, this movie speaks to me in volumes. But now, <clears throat> as an adult, which I don't really feel like I'm mature, I, I, I am pretty immature for my age. But looking at this movie now, I'm like, everybody, every, all the kids in this movie should have been smacked around much more than Carl was by his dad. They should have just been abused for being little drug addict fuckheads that went and vandalized the school. Which, you know, as a kid, I loved it. But as, as I matured, looking back on it, these kids were living in middle class homes. They were taken care of. Their parents were just trying to better their lives, better their community, make a nice place for them to live. And these kids rebelled and were fuck ups, you know. And also the, the killing of Richie White, which uh, when I was a kid, I was like, fuck that Officer Doberman guy that killed Richie White. Richie White pulled out a fucking gun, okay? So, of course, the guy shot him in self-defense, but the movie kind of, like, in a way, is, like, against this poor guy, this cop that's just, okay, he's kind of a cocksucker, yeah, but, you know, he, you know, the guy pulled a gun out on him. What do you want him to do, get shot? So, yeah, I think Richie White deserved the bullet. All right, well, thanks for telling me how it fucking ends, Ralph. Uh uh, I, I love this movie. When I, when I first saw it, you know, I was like seven, eight years old. So I thought these were like big kids, you know. But watching it now, I'm like, fuck, these motherfuckers are in junior high. These are some little fucking brats. Uh, but it was cool. It was like kids against the fucking adults, you know, and the kids kick some fucking ass. And they listen to good music. And, uh, and they do drugs. And I didn't even get the drug references at the time, but I knew they were doing something they weren't supposed to. Um, but it, it was just, it was a kick-ass fucking movie. Uh, you, know, you know, Matt Dillon, by that time I'd already seen, you know, uh, like Outsiders and shit like that. Uh, but My but, Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, My Bodyguard, another great movie, My Bodyguard. But, uh... You know, it was just, uh, it was cool and it, it was rock and roll. I mean... It had, the, you know, just kick-ass fucking music in it. Even though that wasn't exactly what I was listening to at the time, it just it fit the whole attitude of the movie. 
and uh, and I just I never <clears> missed <throat> it when, when it was on. I couldn't turn it off, and that's why I've seen it so many times. How about you, Terrence? Um, Over the Edge, like I said, when I first watched it in '88, I was just hooked on that movie. You know, I mean, the kids. Luckily, I wasn't like the kids in the movie at home because I've yet to try what's called illegal drugs, and I don't smoke or drink, so I never have on either of those, thank goodness. But, um, you know, rebelling against authority, I, I pretty much did see myself in those kids when I was their, the age that they're portrayed in the movie because I used to be a punk to certain teachers. I mean, I wasn't like that to my dad, who was a now a retired U.S. Army sergeant, so I knew not to rebel against him, but anyone who didn't understand me or anything, I just basically would do th- some rebellious stunt things, and I would just at times do it with a sense of humor with jest, but they thought I was a unruly person, but a lot of classmates in my defense are like, he's not like that out of school, he's a he's an angel, he's a saint, and they're like, why does he act like that? It's probably because he misses his family. You know, I didn't rebel against my family because I respected my family too much. But the kids in the movie, you know, they, you know, Carl came from a, you know, uh, his father and things, you know, kind of reminded me of my own dad in a way, you know, not taking no BS, you know, reading the riot acts and things. So I kind of did see my dad through Carl's dad. And, um, you know, Carl being a transplant from New York to way East Bumfuck, aka somewhere in Colorado, you know, he felt like a fish out of water there, and he hated it there, and I think it's one of the reasons why him and his friends eventually, and Richie White was also a transplant from New York to um, Colorado, and I think it's another reason why they basically wound up doing what they were doing, which is not to be condoned, by the way. I mean, I'm 38 years old now, but at times my father describes me I'm a man, but I'm still emotionally a child, which I don't see as a bad thing. But um, watching Over the Edge now, you know, I got finally started watching the movie again my senior year of high school, my final strand of uh, – because there was a few years I didn't see it because HBO stopped showing it for stupid bullshit movies that were out in the early 90s when my sister's ex rented the tape, actually bought the VHS and dubbed it. I was just like rediscover- – it was like rediscovering an album you haven't heard for years and I just enjoyed it more – at age 18 and stuff and then for the years because of music copyrights the movie was not on dvd and then my brother on my 30th birthday in 2006 bought me this exact dvd which i still have in pristine shape because i watch the movie when i see fit i don't want to burn myself out on it and the movie i can still relate to i don't condone what they did at the end but that's just me you know you know the music in the movie so kick-ass you know i was familiar with all that stuff anyways and in fact this the the Jimi hendrix music that was my first thing i heard of him aside his voodoo child stuff and i was like what a killer hendrix tune although it was a cover it was just incredible the movie's just a i don't know what else to say about the movie but i i love it very much uh you you bring up a couple interesting points terrence that i want to touch upon number one when you said uh that you know you you have kind of like a the the mind of a child um i see more maybe you know 17 18 mind you know where you know where i'm more like 12 and 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 ian's like two 
<laughs> and uh, another, one, another thing I want to I'll bring up is, uh, you know, you've been uh, sober all your life. You haven't done drugs and you haven't drank, which is very commendable. And I applaud that. That's really cool, man. Uh, that is much. awesome. But I, I also got to tell you, you missed out on some good shit. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Young. And now I'm completely sober and I don't do drugs. And I'm not looking down on you, Terrence. I wish I did have a more respectable uh, I had more respect for my family, which now looking back on, they were right. I was wrong. And they just wanted the best for me, but I was too stoned to realize this. I was too drunk. I was too fucked up. But at the same time, those were some great fucking times I had getting fucked up and shit. But I say, everybody, it's okay to get fucked up on drugs and drink just as long as you do it moderately and you eventually stop which unfortunately Ian's still a lush no <laughs> yeah uh you know <clears throat> what do you call it? His, his liver must be the size of a fucking uh, like a peanut oh and um uh, but you know I'm completely sober and I don't smoke pot I don't do anything and I think if I continue this route eventually I will murder somebody <laughs> that's just how I feel and uh so, I mean, touching upon that, let me get into... I actually sat down and watched this movie with the commentary. So I want to bring up uh, some little facts about the movies that I don't know if you guys are aware of. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Or our listeners, maybe they're not aware of this. Uh, New Granada is actually a fictional town. It was like something they made up for the movie. Uh, this movie was filmed 10 miles away from Columbine. Um... The beginning scene, you know the scene where the two kids are on the bridge and they shoot like that cop car? Uh, that was Vincent Sapano. Sapano, am I pronouncing it? Spano. Spano. He actually went on to do other movies. And the guy with him, that was James Hetzfield from Metallica. I don't know <laughs> no way. This. I'm just kidding. He just looked just like James, didn't he? That guy yeah, looked exactly like a young James Hetfield. All right. And, uh, okay, and Matt Dillon, uh, oddly enough, how they found him for the movie, he didn't audition or anything. They actually went to a high school looking for kids for the movie. And while they were there, they, uh, while they were there, Matt Dillon was kicked out of the boys' room for smoking. Uh, and, you know, this happened while this crew was there, and they saw that happen, and they grabbed him, and they auditioned him, and, and he got the role. And this guy wasn't even an actor or anything. So, which and look, he's the one that went on to do most out of everybody. But he was just—if he wasn't smoking in the bathroom that day at school, there might have never been a Matt Dillon. Um, okay, uh, the original name of the movie was called On the Edge because of the movie, uh, the album Bruce Springsteen did called uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. But uh, they ended up changing it to Over the Edge. Uh, the a lot of the kids in the school like they went to school they went to the schools to audition kids and the school would bring them all these like actor type kids but they didn't want them they they, they wanted the burnouts that were outside behind the beach bleachers smoking pot and that's actually who they hired for the movie so a lot of the kids you see that didn't have speaking roles were actually burnouts from schools in Colorado um, also thing I want to bring up is in Carl's room that kick-ass power age ACDC poster just thought I'd bring that up because it's so kick-ass. 
and his uh, room period had Gene Simmons poster, and I think Led Zeppelin was in there. I can't remember. I think Pink uh, Floyd was too. Yes, yeah. man. Kiss sucks, man. Yeah, and Michael Kramer, who played uh, Carl, uh, did a couple movies after that, but now he's a sports writer. Well, he doesn't act anymore. Um, and yeah, this movie, when it was originally released, limited run because at the time when this movie was released, there was a lot of violence going on in theaters with movies like The Warriors, and there was a couple other movies. So they didn't really um, bring... Uh, this wasn't really in the theater that long. It became more of a cult thing on HBO. The redhead in the movie, which, by the way, looks pretty much the same, because if you go on YouTube, they have like kind of like a reunion. There's Carl that looks nothing like him. The burnout kid, I forgot his name, the one that does acid. And the redhead, yeah, the redhead is up on stage. And uh, they said that she was the one that suggested Cheap Trick for the movie. And like I said, or that, well, that's pretty much it. So... Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add about Over the Edge. I just want to say that it's, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. And, uh, well, you know, let's talk about other movies, but as, now let's have a, like a closing segment with Over the Edge. Uh, any closing things, guys? Yeah. I, Ian, I, you first. I'd like to say um, I didn't want to bring this up till I heard your guys' review, you know, because I'm a little biased because I'm actually in the movie. But I didn't, I didn't want to let you guys know that, you know, because uh, I didn't want to hinder your review. But uh, the the night scene at the rec center, there's a kid laying on the monkey bars going, I need some beer. That's me. I and, remember that kid. And, and, and they wouldn't show my face because at the time this was made, it came out in 79, but it was actually made in 78. I was four. So they kind of frowned upon a four-year-old, you know, being fucked up on Old English 800. Uh, man, you your know. mom must have had a real painful birth when you were born. You were no. pretty big for four, man. Yeah, you, you were like six foot, six <laughs> foot at four years old. I know it's amazing, Ian. And, and I'm taller on my back too. Yeah, it hurt. I think, I think you shrunk, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you know, it was my first acting job. Uh, you know, they just said, hey. If, if you can't act, just be natural. So I was like, yeah, give me some beer, man. And, uh, and, and yeah. I, I, I actually, look, I, I didn't mean to bring this up, but I actually did know this because I'm personal friends with the director. And he said that that scene where you said, I need some beer, that wasn't in the script. You really wanted some beer at four <laughs> years old. You're there asking people for beer. And they, yeah. they decided to keep it in. Well, you know, when you're on a movie set, there's a lot of just sit there and wait, you know, like, okay, okay. You know, and like, they're like, hey, you just be kid laying on the monkey bar. You know, I'm like, hey, fuck this shit. How many times are we going to take this scene? I need a goddamn beer. You know? So, oh, guys, guys. You, you know, and, uh, and, and you, you should have seen the original script. In the original script, you know, there's a lot of what's in there now. But then, you know, to try to make it more kid-friendly, you know, there was a whole subplot about a robot that just wanted to be human which actually turned into short circuit. Uh, <laughs> but that ended up getting cut out, you know, because we didn't have the budget for the, for the effects, uh, you know. But I, I had more scenes with Johnny Five that were edited out when they abandoned that storyline. Oh, my but God. this is a great, great rock and roll movie that I suggest to any child of the <clears throat> 70s or 80s or any child, period, 
if you're just fucking rebellious and want to hear some good fucking rock and roll and just the whole fucking anti-establishment vibe of this movie. I, I, I love the end where they fucking trap the parents in there. I think it's fucking great. Uh, you know, I'm glad my kid didn't do that. But I wanted to do that when I was a fucking kid. That would have been awesome. Uh, but uh, th- th- it just it's a great coming-of-age tale. And anytime I watch it, you know, I feel like I'm four years old on monkey bars begging for beer again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I can't recommend enough. You can't, I, I don't know if it's still, is it still in print on, on DVD? Uh, I, I don't know. I know that, it's not on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's not on Blu-ray yet. Uh, but, you know, if you can find a DVD copy, check it out. If not, uh, send me a message and, and I'll make sure anybody gets a copy of this that wants it because this needs to be seen. Uh, and, and, and I'm even going to do another, you know, commentary for it where I go more to the short circuit subplot, uh, but that's going to cost extra. But, uh, uh, Terrence, do you want to give your sober opinion of this movie? Absolutely. I mean, you don't have to be on drugs or drunk to enjoy this movie. Yeah, but it helps. It helps. Well, I enjoyed it anyways, you know, cause I could just relate, and there's another interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's just your sobriety talking. Ha ha hardy har har. Anyways, um, the scenes, you know, my favorite scenes, of course, Richie White mouthing off to the cop, so to, to the cop, you know, you're horny. That line he says, "I got one law: a kid who tells on another kid is a dead kid." That's basically one of the, you know, I don't have rules; I have laws, and the the law is anyone who rats is a dead rat. Yeah, you know? and, and the original script it was Johnny Five is alive is what he was supposed to say. <laughs> oh my god! And then calling the you know I mean you know calling the cop a wimp, a pinhead. I'm like oh my god! Yeah, I mean I wouldn't have the balls to do it. You know, I did have a brother who was like Richie White in a way, although he's not dead. But um, you know, it's just a you know I was just like. He was, a, you know, Matt Dillon's character was such a wise ass. It wasn't even funny. I mean, some of the things that came out of his mouth was uh, funny, you know, although he meets a sad ending. And, um, you know, and the cop, I think, it, in turn eventually got what was coming to him. I guess he did reap what he sowed when he, although the gun that Richie White did pull on him was unloaded because Carl shot the last bullet in the uh, target practice scene. Um, but the you know a cop cannot tell if it's a, if a gun's loaded or not when a, someone holds a gun at him. But um, the music in it is incredible. The the filming was just done. As a matter of fact, the scene where Carl's walking away towards the end, they're like, "Hey, grab some tapes," and he goes, "I've had enough." I think that was actually the last scene shot because they shot a few things in L.A. towards after the you know the party scenes and all that stuff. So they did some more close-ups. And then um, another interesting factoid, the song that they were going to use at the end of the movie instead of Ooh Child was Bob O'Reilly by The Who. But for some strange reason for copyrights or whatever, they uh, decided not to use that song in the end. So rather than end with Bob O'Reilly, they decided to end with uh, Ooh Child. And um, what can I say, you know? else is there to be said about over the edge but these guys nailed it pretty much right on the head but the movie is great and i still enjoy it and i still watch it every once a month anyways so i'm burn myself out on it 
because you know to me it's a lot better than any movie that's been made in the last uh, ooh, ten years or so. That's just me. Anything wow, else, guys? One, once a month. Yes. Wow. So you watch it once a month, so you don't get burnt out on it. Exactly. Wow, that's that's interesting. My, I'd get burnt out if I don't know. I'd I have to watch it once every five years. But that's that's just me. Um, all right, so uh, that's our. You know, uh, I, I have nothing more to add. I mean, uh, another thing is that this movie was based on a true story, except for the, uh, you know, the whole vandalism part at the end. I don't think happened. But I think there was a lot of similar things that did happen in, in uh, this movie. So that's our, our uh, discussion on Over the Edge. Now, oh, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention, in case there's any of our listeners out there who haven't seen it, like Terrence and Ralph said, Matt Dillon gets shot. Okay, not to give away any plot points. Matt Dillon gets shot dead in the end. Well, not, well, not to give it away. But well, three-fourths of the way through. He, but he dies. Not All right, well, here's something interesting about the movie. He gets shot and killed, right? But Matt Dillon does show up at the very end of the movie uh, for the a second. Scene. The vandalism scene, he does show up. So is he really dead? Ah, no, I, I, I think it's like the end of Jedi where he's just like a ghost, you know, punk kid. You know, like riding you know, a bike. They're, yeah, they're in spirit. No, 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 no. That's another kid riding Richie's bike. No, it's another kid riding Richie's bike. But then there's a scene where Carl looks at the kid, and when the kid turns around and looks at Carl, it's Matt Dillon. So the first time you see the kid yeah, on the bike, yeah, that's the him. that's the drugs though. That's that's the <laughs> drugs kicking in. I've yeah, seen I've seen a lot of fucked up shit on drugs personally. Yeah, you see, I didn't think of that, Ian. I, Thank you. Thank you for your drunken wisdom. Okay, no problem. Okay, we're going to do two things now. We're going to talk about our top five movies, and then we're going to bring up a movie that maybe people don't know about. Very, like, unpopular. Not a lot of people know about it. Recommend a movie that nobody knows about. Do you guys have movies that nobody knows about you'd like to recommend? Yes. Okay, Ian? Yes. Yes. Terrence, all right, go ahead. Um... Monty Python's Meaning of Life. I don't know if anyone has seen that movie, but to me it's the funniest, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Especially the ending scene. I don't want to give anything away, but I will give one spoiler. John Cleese as the Grim Reaper. That is perfect. And just that movie is so funny about the, the whole lifespan of being alive. It gives a humorous look on life. And there's so many funny scenes in it. I know people look at the Holy Grail as the be-all of Monty Python movies, but I like them all, especially Meaning of Life, and I recommend you that movie for now. Um, Ian, what about you? All right. Uh, one I absolutely love that might be very hard to find is called National Lampoon's Class Reunion. It was the first National Lampoon movie after Animal House and was expected to be a big hit. And it was a total fucking flop. And I don't get it because I think it is absolutely fucking hilarious. Okay, uh, they're, they're trying to mix the slasher genre in with, uh, you know, with, with comedy. John Hughes wrote it. And I think it was absolutely hilarious. And anybody, if you can get your hands on National Lampoon's class reunion, please check it out. What do you think, Ralph? 
Give, give us a lost classic. Well, geez, man, I have so many of them that it's not just limited to one. Uh, one, I got to say, this one, not a lot of people know. This one's really rare. That if anybody knows this movie, you're going to... I mean, I applaud you because this is super rare. Uh, it's a movie called Death Row Game Show. And it's exactly what the title means. Of course, it's a dark comedy. It's a... Uh, a game show where they get death row inmates to uh, play these games that, you know, if you win, you get out of jail. If you lose, you die. And it was the hardest thing to obtain on DVD, which they finally did release it on DVD as a double feature of another movie called Death of the President or some shit like that, like starring William Shatner, which I have yet to watch. But I highly recommend... Death Row Game Show. That to me is like very obscure. Now, other ones that I, I want to bring up that may not be obscure to a lot of people, but it's really good. It's not even. It's not that popular either. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys seen this movie. It's called Jekyll and Hyde Together Again. Love it. Never what? seen it. Love oh it. my god, that movie's hysterical. And, and I'm gonna warn people right now. Please do not buy it on Blu-ray because I have it on Blu-ray. It's a double feature with I have with, it. with dead bodies. The, I have it. The Blu-ray looks worse than the fucking VHS and the fucking DVD. Yeah. So don't be suckered in because I was highly disappointed. But Ralph, Jekyll and Hyde together again is a great drug rock and roll comedy. And I love yeah. it. Yeah. Highly recommend that movie. One of the funniest movies ever made. Now my third pick which is not really as obscure. They actually remade it, and it's like probably the worst remake ever. But the original Death Race 2000. Love it. That movie was a big myth when I was a little kid in the 70s. Everybody would tell me about this movie, about people that get, you know, that run people over and they get points. And I've been dying, dying to see that movie where I finally saw it on TV. They actually showed it on TV. And, you know, it was one of those local stations. They showed it one night, and it was really funny. Remember, like, I, I don't know if they do this anymore, but remember back in the day when you used to watch a TV show, and all of a sudden the little icon for that rate, that that TV station would pop up on the side of the screen. Remember that? It would yeah. say, like, you know, you're watching, this one was Channel 51. It's like, you're watching Channel 51. Well, it was so cool about this, and I still had the VHS copy. There's a scene in Death Race 2000 where the chick takes off her clothes and her tits are showing. And this is the 80s, dude, and they're showing nudity on TV. And right when they do that, the little 51 thing pops up on the, on the little side of the screen. I was like, wow, man, this is awesome. And I still have that. So those three movies I highly recommend. Death Race 2000 starring David Carradine and a very young, pre-Rocky Sylvester Stallone. Um... Jekyll and Hyde together again, wacky ass drug humor, crazy comedy, and uh, what was the first one I said? Uh, the Running Man. No, uh, Death Row Two Thousand. I mean, uh, uh, game Death, show. Death Row game show. Yeah, that's Death Row right. game show. Two of my movies have the word death in it. <laughs> oh, and another one. One more. One more. And actually, it's I'm I'm giving you a little spoiler of my top five because. It is one of my top five movies of all time. And it's kind of obscure, unless if you live in France or Winnipeg, Canada, Canada, where it's a huge hit over there. But everywhere else, it didn't really uh, do too well. But it is a cult classic. 
It's called Phantom of the Paradise, which was Brian De Palma's very first movie. It's a rock opera. It's uh, it's like Phantom of the Opera meets Faust. And it's an amazing soundtrack. I saw that movie when it came out in the theater. It only lasted one week in the theater. I saw it at nine years old when it first was shown. Very impressionable on me. Then I bought it, the soundtrack, which I still own to this day, on vinyl. And then uh, I didn't see it till MTV actually showed it. Uh, 1983, maybe like really early MTV. They actually showed it. So from 1974 all the way to 1983 or 82, I didn't see that movie ever again until they showed it on uh, MTV. And it's a, it's a, I, I love it. It's very sentimental to me. Well, some of you may think it's like cheesy. So I do recommend it to people. I mean, I, I showed it to this girl uh, that I was banging. Uh, uh, she's only 24. She was 21 years old when I showed her the movie. And now she's 24. And last year, right here on uh, South Beach, she got the Death Records tattoo on her arm, which is the the, the label of the of the movie. Death yeah, she also got the clap. Yeah, but that oh. wasn't from me, okay? <laughs> I gave her the herps. <laughs> Originally, the uh, record label in the movie was going to be called Swan Song, but Led Zeppelin just formed that record label at that time. Yes, and if you notice, when uh, Swan goes up to the podium, the death records on the podium is kind of shaking a little bit because they superimposed it over Swan Song. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, Led Zeppelin stopped that. I mean, we should do a whole episode of Phantom of the Paradise. Definitely Why not. not. Yeah, it will happen because... That will be actually us talking about the, the the actual music of the movie as well as the movie, which I think will be a great, great episode. But that's for Absolutely. the future. Uh, as far as top five goes, I really I haven't compiled the list. So while you guys talk about your top five, let me write down five of my favorite movies and put them in order. Ian, you first. All right. Number one, Jaws. Greatest Ooh. movie ever fucking what? made. What? Are you fucking yes. kidding me? No, right. J- Jaws won. Jaws okay, won. all right. I'll, I'll have something to say about that when it's my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, when it's your turn. Jaws won. Number two, Godfather won. Number three, Godfather two. Number four, Apocalypse Now. Number five, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> Oh, 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 laugh it up, Fuzzball. Laugh it up. But uh, some of the best work Abner Devereaux, a.k.a. Anthony Zebra, has ever done. No, actually, hey, all kidding aside, that was a great actor, that guy. That did Devereaux? Yeah. He was in the middle of this clusterfuck. It's like, how did this good actor get in this movie? Hey, bring up the, the elevator mechanism. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, Ian. Maybe you can help me on this. I read or I heard somewhere that guy that played the the owner of the park, you know, the guy that fired Deborah. Right. He, he's in Godfather too. Yes. Where? When the guy gets strangled in the fuck bar in two. Right. Yeah, yeah. He he's he he walks in in that scene. I think he's the cop. He was the cop? Yeah. Oh shit, I gotta look at it again. You know that they actually asked him to be in Godfather One and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. For, for Kiss Me, the Phantom. No, exactly. No, 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 actually, I mean, actually, he knew where his bread was buttered. You know, it's <laughs> like, hey, 
yeah, Kiss is a big band. I never heard of this Francis Ford motherfucker, you know. All right, Ian. Uh, th- thank you for your top five. Uh, Terrence, you? Okay, I'll go from five to one. Number five, Over the Edge, well documented. Number four, you can get the firing squad. Scarface, the Al Pacino version. That movie is just so epic. Amazing. I, mean, I actually know every line of that movie. Me too. A man that ain't cut his worth is a cockroach. <laughs> she, she can't even make a baby because she's so polluted. You call me a liar, Frank. Is that what you call me? <laughs> Say hello to my little friend, Babo. Look at the pelican fly. Fly pelican. They were, and they were actually flamingos. I, I, I told you to tell them you were in a sanitarium, not sanitation. Well, actually, uh, vice versa there, Ian. <laughs> They should. They, they would have thought you were a horse and let you out. You know, you know, your wife is right. You are being an asshole. Hey, fuck you, man. How the hell you gonna start like this eating pussy? Huh? Oh my god. How, no, how, yeah, do you, how do you get a scar like this eating pineapple? You know, you know where that's from. That's the, that's Go the TV. In. That's the TV version. Oh it's my like, god! How'd you get that scar, tough guy eating pineapple? How the fuck? Are you gonna, how the hell am I gonna get a scar like that eating pineapple, man? What, are you kidding me? All right, Ian, keep going. I'm you standing. mean me? Oh, I'm sorry, Terrence. Number three, falling down. Michael Douglas oh. is the fucking vigilante. If I could, that movie I can watch beginning to end, not get sick of it. He just goes off on a fucking rampage, killing fucking. You know, he he gets laid off and tries to get home for his daughter's birthday. My favorite part was when he confronted the Nazi guy who ran that surplus store. That scene was just pure gold as far as I was concerned. You know, and, and then, you know, the tragic ending and things. But to me, an excellent movie. I don't get sick of that one. Number two would be, uh, oh, shit. Okay. Number two, this is good, another surprise. Heartbreak Ridge, Clint Eastwood is a Marine drill sergeant. That I got to see in the theaters when I was 10. It was an R-rated movie, but Clint Eastwood as a drill sergeant was fucking perfect. The Marines are looking for a few good men. Unfortunately, you it. My name is Gunnery Sergeant Highway. I've drunk more beer, pissed more blood, banged more quiff, busted more balls than all you numbnuts put together. Now Major Powers put me in charge of his recon platoon. We take care of ourselves. You couldn't take care of a wet dream. God loves you. I know that. Clint Eastwood. I mean, that guy, the, the the lines he came up with in that movie is just so fucking perfect. And to me, it's a war movie that doesn't bore me because, you know, Platoon I know people love, but I actually fell asleep when I saw Platoon Heartbreak Ridge. I did not fall asleep because there was so many funny lines in that movie other by Monster Eastwood that I get pleasure watching that movie and my number one movie of all time is monty python's life of brian that movie is just so fucking hilarious all right then i am the messiah he is the messiah now fuck off how should we fuck off oh lord just go away leave me alone <laughs> making fun of poking fun of organized religions and the the ending where they're singing always look on the bright side of life while they're on crosses that is so Freaking hilarious. I mean, that whole movie just, you know, takes the, the piss out of all those epic Bible movies and all that bullshit of, you know, Spartacus. I'm Spartacus because when I went to see Roger Waters perform The Wall, they, they were playing the line of Spartacus. I, get, I cannot hear that part now without thinking of, I'm Brian. 
I'm Brian. I'm Brian. I'm Brian, and so is my wife. I'm only bony leg. I'm not Brian. I was just putting you on. It's a joke. So many funny lines in that movie. The People's Front of Judea. Monty Python. They were the greatest. And Life of Brian is just a movie I do not get sick of. Uh, Ralph, what are your five favorite movies of all time? All right, this is this is a tough one. I wish I would have done a little more homework on this because I know I'm probably going to leave one of my favorites off. And I and probably, like, one I'm going to leave off, I probably like more than some of my top five. But off the top of my head, I just wrote it down here. Uh, number five, I discussed earlier, uh, Phantom of the Paradise, definitely up there, number five. And uh, not my my probably my favorite soundtrack to any you know movie where they actually use original mu- music for the movie. Over spoke. Greece, uh, you know what? I love Greece. I'm sorry. I love actually I love Greece because of nostalgic reasons. But I thought Greece was a great fucking movie. Eh. But then again, you know I like cock. All right. So then uh, number four, I would have to say. Um, a brilliant, brilliant comedy. I just love the hell out of it. Is the Blues Brothers? Um, awesome, awesome. And and mainly because of how everything around them is falling apart. Like a good scene is like when they're in bed and Carrie Fisher blows up the building, and they come out of the rubble like nothing happened. Like we're late. Let's go. I mean, shit like that just kills me. So yeah, the Blues Brothers is definitely up there. Um, Number three, to me, is the funniest movie ever, ever made, by far, is Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. The scene when they're in the car in the beginning with the, you know, are we smoking dog shit? Just is the most hilarious. It's like, it's so fucking epic how it starts and how it ends and everything in between with the mellow. What are you doing, man? It don't take those, man. You just ate the most acid. You know, it's just so many killer lines. I adore Up in Smoke. Now, my my top two really upsets me. And you know why, Ian. Number two, it's a tie. Godfather 1 and 2. I cannot tell you which ones I like more. Because I think they're both equal and kick-ass in their own way. Robert De Niro is a fucking god. And yeah, Taxi Driver didn't make my top five, but again, one of my favorite movies. And Clockwork Orange is another one of my favorites that makes my top five. But the two Godfathers, I mean, what can you say? To me, it's just fucking perfection. And I can watch those movies anytime and never get bored of it. Scarface 2, I would have to, you know, say, God, I, you know, that's a shame they didn't make my top five. Number one, you motherfucker, is Jaws. And I... <laughs> I'll explain to you why, how Jaws is so special to me. When I was a little, little kid, I was dragged to the movies to see this movie. And it affected me so much that I remember laying in bed after watching that movie, thinking when it finally dawned on me at, what was I, like six years old or something? It finally dawned on me that we're going to die because of Alex that got eaten by the shark. I was like, wow, you know, we're going to die. You know, that's when it finally dawned on me. Uh, now, as I've gotten older, my all-time favorite scene of any movie ever made was Robert Shaw's Indianapolis speech, which I actually took that speech and wrote lyrics around it for the Thrasher Die song called Rip to Pieces. Where actually, it's, it's totally, it's, it's the Indianapolis speech, 
uh, put to rhymes. But if you listen to those lyrics, you know, um, uh, sometimes the sharks go away. Sometimes they don't go away. All that shit I, ri- I wrote in, the, in those lyrics. Robert Shaw, to me, was a god, was like the most amazing actor ever. You know, I just loved him. And, uh, and, and really crazy to know that guy was British. I mean, he really hit that accent well. And uh, Jaws, by far my favorite damn movie of any movie ever made. And I know I'm leaving a lot out, but... It's glad to see you have some taste, Ralph. I and like that. Goodfellas 2 is another one that I can never get bored of watching. Me too. Um, you know, there's just so many movies that, uh, you know, Taxi Driver, Clockwork Orange. Uh, oh, what else is there? The Untouchables. The Untouchables was good. Uh, I'm that, smart. I can do things. Not like everybody says. What I'm was, smart. That's uh, Godfather 2. That's right. That's Fredo. God damn right it's Fredo. Yeah, in Cuba. That's the way Pop wanted it. It's not the way I wanted it. <laughs> How about the scene where, where where his dad's laying on the ground after getting shot? He's like, Papa, Papa, <laughs> Papa. <laughs> I love, I love the God, the God, the two Godfather movies. Number three, actually, I saw it in the theater and I fucking hated it. But I watched it not too long ago and it's still kind of sucky. But it's not as bad as I remembered it. It, it. It's better than most movies, but compared to the first two, it sucks. It was haphazardly thrown together. Uh, and that, uh, and, and that yeah. actress was horrible. The daughter or the niece. Yeah. Or whatever, or yeah niece. But, but still, the, the story wasn't there either. The story, you know, it was... Yeah, Michael dealing with the grief yeah. killing his brother. And, yeah, yeah, go fuck was... it. The first two were perfect. Fuck it. We're lucky we have any listeners by the end of this episode because this is so far away from where we started. But I hope everybody's enjoyed this. No, no, show. I think I think people are gravitating to this one. This one's an interesting show. Another one I, I left off was uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'm a fanatical Star Wars fan of the the first three, the seventies three, and uh, Empire Strikes Back by far my favorite. Another I concur. Movie. And you know I like uh, the Indiana Jones movies <clears throat> and. Uh, uh, Blade Runner was good, and uh, oh, my, num- I know my you- number. If it was the top six, I would have picked the 1986 classic Trick or Treat. Oh, <laughs> I love Trick or Treat. Which, which the next Thrasher Die album will have a song uh, about Sammy uh, Kerr. It's about the movie. It's called um, "Music in the Key of Death." No, it's called "In the Key of Death." That's the name of the song. And That's we funny. want we want to start it with a soundbite of the movie where he goes, "No wimps, no false metal," and then the chorus is like, uh, "Oh, the chorus goes, um, you can't bring me down." Uh, what does he say when he's in court? I forgot how he said it. You can't bring me down, or, or we will bring you down, man. We will bring you down. That's how our chorus goes. We will bring you down. We say that in the chorus. There's a lot of things we say. We say uh, Metal Machine 6 That's a, the greatest, the greatest line ever. Do you think I'm a, a wussy? Do you think I'm a sissy fucking weak tit? I mean, that, you can't write what? that. I don't remember that. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, uh, we're the guy from fucking Desperate Housewives is throwing wrenches at him in the room. Wow. And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, we Trick- mentioned Metal Machine 6-6 Crush in the song, too. 6-6 Crush. 
metal machine, six six brush. That's a killer song we got, man, for the next album. Excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah. That um okay, um before we go, is there any what would you consider the worst movie you ever saw in your life? Uh you guys go first. Let me think about this. Okay. Uh, if you can't think of anything, Ian, I can go right ahead. Go ahead, Ralph. All right. It's kind of a toss-up. Um, I'm not even sure the name of the movie was so bad. I think, I could be wrong, I think it was called Envy. And it had uh, Jack Black and uh, Ben Stiller. And it yes, was, that, that was, is Envy. That was yeah. the movie where they made shit disappear with a spray. Yeah, well, okay. I didn't see it, but I know what you're talking okay. about. Okay, that was by far, like, the worst movie I ever saw. But uh, runner-up would be D. Snyder's Strangeland. Really? Oh, my God, that movie's ter- fucking horrible. I liked it. Oh, God. I mean, I know it's terrible, but No, I no, no, it. how can Jaws be your favorite movie and like that fucking movie? Dude, I saw that in a goddamn theater. And I'm well, watching that's your fault. I'm watching it, right? And then... Like I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty terrible. And then the scene where D. Snyder's like got lynched, and then a fucking lightning bolt came and hit him, and he fell on the ground. And he looked up and he goes, "What a rush!" Oh my god, that's I almost walked out of the theater. Now I also may add that D. Snyder to me is one of my biggest influences, and he to me is like one of the greatest frontman and a hysterical guy and a great guy. I met him. But uh, and I listen to House of Hair three times a week. True uh, story. Okay, well, uh, uh, Strangeland, horrible fucking movie. I, I those are my two that I can think of. All right, you guys. Terrence, what do you got? Okay, let's see. Movie that I saw in the theater that I didn't really care for was Natural Born Killers. Funnily enough, I what? just could not. I just couldn't get it. Well, that's because you don't do drugs, Terrence. Yeah. Thank you very much. My my dad was actually in that movie. That's no bullshit. My dad was in that movie. Well, my my buddy who's also So a, thanks for hating on my dead dad. A drug free dr- <laughs> my other best friend who doesn't do drugs or drink either. Him and I just wanted to see it because we just wanted to check it out. Him and I came out of the movie theater scratching our eyes like, what the fuck was that? Because neither of us I think it's because neither of us do drugs. We understood that movie and then let's see. Another Worst movie that I've seen, Ooh, probably Private Resort because my brother burned out that one. I don't even know that one. That was uh, that was I think one of Johnny Depp's early movies. I love that I, movie. Uh, you suck. I know, right? He likes brother, Strangeland, though. I mean, come on, you gotta. You gotta you know, but my brother also hated uh, This Is Spinal Tap, and I think This Is Spinal Tap rules. Oh, I'd like to say something about that. I saw This Is Spinal Tap in the midnight movies back in the early eighties when it was released. And I fucking hated it because I didn't know it was a fictional band. I thought I was going to go see this band that actually really existed. And I didn't get the joke. Everything went over my head and I thought it sucked. I thought the music sucked. I didn't find it funny. I didn't know it was a comedy, but now it is one of the man that could have made my top five too. By far one of the funniest goddamn movies ever made. I get it now. And the music is awesome. I love even the give me your money and cups and cakes. And I just love the hell out of Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap rules. This is Jazz Spinal Odyssey. Tap, a, a great, great fucking movie with probably the most 
killer one-liners out of any movie ever made. This is you can't concentrate because your fucking wife. Dolby. Uh, worst movie I ever saw was uh, Amadeus because I thought it was about Falco. <laughs> and I was a huge Falco fan. I was like, I'm like, I want to see a movie about a German rapper, you know. And then I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? People are wearing fucking wigs. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, nah, nah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Amadeus is the worst documentary about a German rap star I've ever fucking seen. MTV actually did a video for composing of scenes from the Amadeus movie with uh, rock music videos. It's called Rock Icon. It's on YouTube. And David Lee Roth is a conductor. Oh, yeah. He's like, come on. The, the, the suit has to be back at 5 o'clock. Yeah, I have yeah. the video. So, Ian, in other words, to you, Amadeus was more like Amadeus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a homophobe like you homos. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that shit was terrible. That yeah, I'm, terrible. I'm a self-hating homophobe. Exactly. Me too. A, I love the cock and I hate homos. <laughs> I can never get a date because I hate like, fags, but I'm a fag. Like I said, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not gay, but the guy I'm fucking is totally gay. That dude loves the cock. Uh, but me, nah, me myself, you know. But you, uh, you know how you can tell if a guy's gay or not? No. You bend him over, right? You fuck him. You reach around. If his cock is hard, he's gay. <laughs> It's only gay if you look down. Yeah. All right, guys. So this was a great uh, at the movies type. I enjoyed this one. I think we should do more in the future. I, I, I forgot we were talking about over the edge. Oh, did we forget to mention that fucking Matt Dillon gets killed? <laughs> so does Doberman. Oh, oh, another spoiler. Thanks, Terrence. Yeah, and they all go to juvenile at the end. All right. Well, next week. We're gonna return with some fucking music, and uh, we're, we're gonna uh, we're gonna see what kind of reviews we get on this episode. We might come back to movies. Uh, we might not. Um, we definitely won't re- review an Amadeus. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> or Strangeland, I guess now. But uh, <laughs> we're natural born killers. We could. I mean, I hate the fucking movie. It'd be Thanks. interesting. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for subscribing to the YouTube channel. For podbean.com. And hopefully by the time this airing, we are on YouTube. Uh, if not, fuck YouTube. I, or, I'm, iTunes. I, iTunes, yeah. I'm, I'm drunk as a motherfucker. Yeah. All right, Terrence, any closing thoughts? Yeah. I'd like to say thank you very much indeed to all you listeners out there. I hope I didn't ramble incoherent like a moron, which of course I'm not. And I just want to thank you all for listening. And remember, in the immortal words of Casey Kasem, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. And I would like to apologize for being a moron. All right, so uh, everybody out there, uh, we will see you next time. And we will be talking about the tunes later. Sayonara. Can you